We return this Lord's Day morning in our morning series through the wilderness wanderings recorded for us in the book of Numbers to Numbers chapter 24. Numbers chapter 24. And we will consider once again, but with greater depth by God's help, verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. As we remember, boys and girls, Caleb was a whisker away from becoming a martyr. He and uh, his comrade in arms, Joshua, because the two of them had good news. That's why they were about to be stoned. That's why the congregation, overwhelmed by the prospect of destruction, if they were to go into the land of promise, as God was calling them to do, No, they cannot believe, not only can they not believe Caleb and Joshua and their report that this is a good land and that notwithstanding these great cities with their uh, fortified structures and these giants who are indeed head and shoulders above us, we are able to go in not only Not only are they impervious, they they cannot accept by faith the good report, they must silence the preachers. This is the perversity of the heart of man, who when God offers good and salvation upon conditions of repentance and simple, empty-handed faith. Yet, yet they will not take it. But they will kill the messenger. But God intervened because Moses intervened. Moses interceded uh, with God and the Lord relented. But there was that proviso we considered in the last two Sabbaths, didn't we? That though I will forgive, though I will, as it were, give an indulgence, not the Roman Catholic kind of indulgence, but the, 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 the forbearance and extension, they'll live another day. Indeed, they'll live many other days. They'll live for 40 years, but they won't live those 40 years in my land. They're going to turn right around and they're going to wander for 40 years until every last one of them dies. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. I'd like us to consider for at least two, perhaps three messages with this verse as a, as a gateway 
the subject of regeneration, of the new birth. Because a question uh, we doubtless we we have the question begged that why? Why should Caleb be so different? Why should he stand out? Why should he have this other spirit with him? Now, the answer that we are going to uh, you uh, come to uh, with, with God's word largely comes from the New Testament, but not exclusively. The doctrine of the new birth, of regeneration, is, as many other doctrines, more fully developed, expanded, and clarified under the gospel. But let's not mistake that as though this teaching was not there whatsoever for our Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't he rebukes Nicodemus for being dense, for not having learned his ABCs. Are you a master? Are you a teacher in Israel and you don't understand the new birth? So, simply because many of the passages, though not all, many of the passages will be drawn from the Gospels and especially the letters of the Apostle Paul, God has always had a believing people through all ages. And that though there were many before the Lord Jesus Christ who did not have the privilege of seeing him in the flesh, as Simeon who took the Christ child up in his arms, though they didn't have the opportunity of hearing God in the flesh speaking, or the benefit of the the Spirit-empowered apostles. Nevertheless, he's always had a true believing people who fundamentally had the same faith. And indeed, let's not forget that whatever privileges we enjoy under the New Testament, we owe those privileges to the Old Testament. We are only saved if we become Abraham's children by faith. Caleb happened to be a true son of Abraham. But it is a very... A rich statement, isn't it? And it's, it's so very um, provocative in a, in a good sense, so very inviting. Perhaps that's why Jeremiah Burroughs wrote one of his great uh, treatises on uh, the character of the true Christian as one who is born of God. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, Well, let us consider at the outset three points more briefly because we are uh, somewhat repeating and expanding upon what we have already considered. Consider uh, first this other spirit was an uncommon spirit and that those who have that 
other spirit, like Caleb, Joshua, Moses, to be sure. And all those until the coming of Christ and down to the present day. This spirit is an uncommon thing. It is not natural. It doesn't spontaneously uh, come from, from the earth. It's not of earth. Our Lord Jesus Christ says it is, it is from above. That's what being born again could also be translated as from John 3. Being born again also could be rendered being born from above. And the very fact that Nicodemus just couldn't make heads or tails of this, I'm supposed to go back into my mother's womb and be be born a second time. Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Notice the very attention that God calls with respect to Caleb. It makes it so very clear of what a rare thing he was. Our Lord Jesus Christ taught and enunciated the principle that was very ancient by the revelation of God. Many are called but few are chosen. We hear the complaint of the Lord. The Lord looks down from heaven to see if there are any that, are underst- that understand, if there are any that seek after God. Oh, Lord, ha- have you checked Israel? Oh, I've looked at Israel. And I've looked here. And I've looked there, I've searched, just as these spies went into the land and searched. But whereas they saw all manner of good things, I find scanty and minimal results. Another spirit is an uncommon thing, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him. The ten... Just think about the ratios here for a moment. Ten spies came back with the bad report. Only two. That's so shabby, isn't it? And that was the visible church. The Lord makes so abundantly clear that these fathers did not enter into rest. Why? Hebrews tells us, because of their unbelief. And with the wider lens of the entirety of Scripture, we understand that they didn't just fall short of an earthly land. They fell short of the better country. That's a fearful thing. Another spirit is an uncommon spirit. Second, another spirit 
is a Godward spirit. That's the way it was with Caleb. And as Caleb becomes a kind of a type and a pattern of others, what makes that spirit so very special is that he is Godward. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, and don't forget that this extended passage is a harvest of texts from the Old Testament of an indictment against humanity. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. They are gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none righteous, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Don't we hear Israel there after the flesh? Their feet are swift to shed blood. They were just about to take up stones and kill the messenger of the good news of the gospel. And yes, Caleb And Joshua had been preaching the gospel. There is no fear of God before their eyes. But that's why the diamond shines the more brightly when against the backdrop of all the coal we see a believing spirit that takes God at his word that does not boast of anything on his side, but boasts only in the Lord and his free grace and his goodness to poor and unworthy sinners. My servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully like a heat-seeking missile, relentlessly pursuing the object. That's what happens at the new birth. There is a new orientation. Whereas before, it was me, myself, and I. Oh, there may be other secondary objects of my interest and my affection, but ultimately it's me. But when one gets the other spirit... God is everything. It is a believing spirit. It is a bound and determined spirit. And that's why, as we shall see, it is a spirit that perseveres to the end. Because unlike uh, the, the will of man, which at its very best does good in starts and stops. And even then, the good that it does is so compromised and flawed with corruption. Although the righteous falls seven times, he gets back up seven times again. Why is that? Because the seed of God is in him. That which is born of God overcomes the world. And that's why the Christian, although although she's so distressed 
uh, with herself constantly falling into the same patterns of sins, seemingly helpless before temptations, yet if there is real life there, it's not going to falter and fail ultimately. And so, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went. Now he's not going to just coast, he's going to fight. And that's, that's what God does. That's a part of the miracle of the new birth, is that it's, it's not just this download of heavenly and spiritual power and all of our faculties are turned off and we don't do anything. No, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Third, as we are looking at this other spirit, but my servant Caleb, oh, hear the sweetness and the complacency of God. As with pride he looks upon his servant, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit in him, and hath followed me fully. Consider that another spirit is a spirit remade or reborn for another country. Another spirit is a spirit remade or reborn for another country, even a heavenly country. Paul, writing to the Colossians, says that he has made us meet. Now, that's an archaic word, boys and girls, that means fit, suitable. He has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Jesus hasn't just purchased this country for us. He has. Not only by the work of the Holy Spirit do we believe and receive justification by faith in Christ's righteousness alone and become legally entitled to this country. That's all true. But there's more. He actually changes us and makes us capable of another country. He makes us, even as this word can be translated, worthy of such a country, because before, the soul is incapable. That's why everyone else were complaining and crying and picking up stones and about to kill the messenger, is that they could not believe. And they were unworthy of the honor of being in the land of promise because they didn't belong. Abraham wouldn't recognize you. Isn't that what Jesus was saying to the Jews in John chapter 8? You boast of Abraham, your father. If Abraham were your father... You wouldn't be trying to kill me. But just like they tried to kill Caleb, you're trying to kill me because you're not really 
Abraham's children. Your nature is different. Well, this much by way of of a kind of an introduction into the subject from our text of the doctrine of regeneration. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Perhaps I'll set forth a kind of a, a, a working definition, somewhat uh, lengthy, but we're going to break it down into pieces and make our way through it, endeavoring to undergird each statement with the Word of God. So if you don't get all of this now, that's okay. We'll be repeating and developing things. Regeneration, or the rebirth, is that inner spiritual, sovereign work of God in Christ by His Spirit in the hearts of the elect, for starters. It happens in His divinely appointed time, at which time, though they are wholly dead and trespasses and sins, their whole beings spiritually opposed to God, his holy law, and even to the free offer of the gospel, at that time, those souls are instantaneously and radically transformed, resurrected, and awakened under gospel preaching. And they are enabled spiritually and savingly to understand the mysteries of the gospel, to repent with godly repentance, and in faith to entrust themselves wholly and sweetly into the infinitely capable hands of their Savior, their all and everything for time and for eternity. Or if you will, to put it succinctly, the rebirth is God's making a hellish heart heavenly and heaven-bound. God's making a hellish heart heavenly and heaven-bound. That's behind the phenomenon of Caleb. Are you such a phenomenon? Well, let us begin... And we're just going to make a beginning of this, uh, this subject. Let us consider first the author of regeneration. The author of regeneration. And second, the subjects of regeneration. Uh, take heart. The first 23 minutes of our message was not introduction in the conventional sense. We're just making a beginning. There are many more points for us to consider in the next messages. So first, the author of regeneration. It is not one's parents. It is not 
anything that comes to the child from the parents or from the ancestors who are born, not of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. They are born of God. The Apostle John, he he seems to come back to this, and, and perhaps not surprisingly, because for whatever reason, it pleased the Lord to, to, to capture that narrative of our Lord and his conversation with Nicodemus concerning the new birth. Perhaps that's why it leaves something of a special imprint on the Apostle John in his first epistle when he speaks about this. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For a seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Chapter 518. For we know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not. And he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. The difference for us is not that we have no connection with the world. It's that the world is that out of which God took us. The world was uh, only the, the giver of our corruption and the Uh, environment which we willingly loved to live within. But you see, this is not, this is not physical birth. This is not a natural thing. This is a supernatural experience and an event. And God is the author of regeneration. Not only is it not our parents, it is certainly not ourselves. We're going to see this more, but the very spiritual condition of an unregenerate man or woman in their sins is one of helplessness. And not just helplessness, but a fundamental unwillingness to be helped. You will not come to me, says Jesus, because you are not of my sheep. That's why you won't come. That's why you won't believe. You're in a different category. How can you believe you are yet in your sins? The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And the scripture teaches that this nature we received, not when we came to a certain age, years of maturity. No, we received it from our parents who ultimately received it from the first parents God is the author of this other spirit. God the Father 
is the author of this other spirit that Caleb had that made him follow him fully to whom he gave infallible promises that he'd never break, that he would bring him into the land where he went. And if he has made you new, he's already put heaven in your heart. You receive the earnest of the Holy Spirit who cries within you with groanings which cannot be uttered, and he will finish what he started. And you owe it to the Father. In the first case, John 6, 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. No man can come to me except the Father. Draw him. Now, as we shall see, though the Spirit is generally in the Bible considered the prime agent of regeneration, the ultimate source within the Trinity is the Father by way of his good pleasure. We we cannot uh, uh, tear apart the Trinity. There is a sweet cooperation and a collaboration in all his works, both in creation and providence as well as within salvation. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now that calling is what we refer to, young people, as the effectual calling. Which is really almost indistinguishable from regeneration itself. Whom God predestinates, them he calls. He is the author of this calling. God the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 4 and following. But after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appear, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Did you know your spirit Christian today may not seem like it. Most of your life may seem so very mundane, sometimes very frustrating and even pointless, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Something supernatural has begun in you, and you partake of the Spirit. Paul talks about uh, salvation as the baptism by the Spirit. You are baptized by one Spirit into one body. 
In the same passage, he speaks about drinking. We have all drunk into one spirit. So just as we all drink the common element of water and we live by water, so each believer has been made to drink into the spirit and they are spiritual beings. Not spiritual in the sense that you have souls. Every living person has a soul, but not everyone has the Spirit of God. That's the big difference. The author of regeneration is God, the Holy Spirit. He indeed is the principal and the prime uh, agent, the one uh, who makes that, as, as it were, that immediate contact with our souls, comes inside, does the work, unites us to Christ in accordance with the Father's good purpose. But let us also consider that the Son, the mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is also the author of regeneration. Who is the one who gives the Spirit? Well, it was the gift of the Father, and He gave the Spirit in the fullness, in, in fullness to the Lord Jesus Christ, that He might dispense it as His pleasure. He came into the room with the terrified disciples, and He blew on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. John, baptized with water. But he testified of another one who will baptize with an infinitely superior element. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so, in that very passage, which we often point to, to highlight the agency of the Holy Spirit in causing and bringing about the rebirth. Listen, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And so we are reborn at the time when the Son of God is pleased by His Word and Spirit to make us new. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. So, we consider that in regeneration, which is what Caleb had experienced, what he partook of, and so had this most sweet and glorious and praiseworthy other spirit within him. The author of regeneration is God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Second, the subject of regeneration, the subjects of regeneration, 
are the elect. Regeneration or the rebirth. The new birth is that inner spiritual and sovereign work of God in his divinely appointed time in the hearts of the elect. Well, is that biblical? Pastor, you can say it, but can you prove it? Jehovah said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And whom I will, I harden. That's straight from the Bible. God, for this purpose, we've considered this recently, he raised up Pharaoh that he might show his power in him. But he had mercy on Moses. And this ancient doctrine is only confirmed by our Lord Jesus Christ, who, as we mentioned earlier, declared many are called, but few are chosen. So that outward calling goes out to many Many sinners, even as Caleb and Joshua preached fundamentally, they preached the gospel to the whole congregation. But many were called and few were chosen. We see this uh, teaching. That is, specifically, that those, as the confession of faith says, who are predestined to life and those only God is pleased in his appointed and accepted time effectually to call. That is, those whom he has predestined, those are those whom he calls. If there are, just for the sake of argument, Ten predestined. There will be ten called. How many will be justified? Ten. How many will be brought to glory and glorified? Ten. We don't know the number that God has in his infinite mercy uh, chosen. And praise be to his name, it is far, far greater than ten. But you see... Those and those only whom God has chosen from all eternity are in time born again. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. 2 Timothy 1.9 
who hath saved us, God has saved us, and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus when? Before the world began. Now, do you remember, Christian, when God gave you grace before the world began? I don't. I had no existence 48 years ago. But by his decree, he willed that I should be, and that though I should fall into sin, yet he loved me, says Paul. You see, that's the basis, that's the origin. It is the good pleasure of God. Because he determined that from all eternity, all that the Father has given me, when? He's talking about eternity, friends. All those whom he gave me, not Judas. I pray for these Pray not for the world, but I pray for these whom you have given me. Or consider Romans 11, 7 and 8. What then? Israel has not obtained that which he seeks for, but the election or the chosen have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. And then he quotes the Old Testament. According as it is written, God has given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Now, who's Isaiah talking about? He's talking about unbelieving Jews. The election obtained the grace of God, and the rest were blinded. Jacob, have I loved? Esau, have I hated? I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. As we close, let all boasting be silenced. Let all pride and presumption be laid low. If you have come to Christ, it was only by free and sovereign grace. If you have a nature now that loves God and loves his word and loves prayer and loves his people and loves his kingdom and his cause in this world, you didn't get it from mama. And you didn't get it by your free decision to clean yourself up and make yourself a better person. Because you were dead in trespasses and in sins. Nicodemus, I say unto you, you must be born again. 
The wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going. Even so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. It is mysterious. It is inexplicable. It is free and sovereign. It is a high and heavenly mystery, a very solemn one indeed, when we stop and think that God passes by many whom he otherwise could have saved. What stops God? What stops him from regenerating a sinner? Is it their free will? I praise God that God didn't let my free will stand in the way because I was running 180 degrees away from God. A man can receive nothing, says John, except it be given him from above. So let all boasting be silenced. And let all proud and curious questions and objections that God is somehow the author of evil It does provoke sinful men when they hear of the absolute sovereignty of God. It takes the control out of their hands, so it seems. Robert Trail says how hard it is for proud, self-conceited man to receive and submit to this fearful truth of God. That election rests upon some and passes by others and no account at all will be given of it. Oh, but I don't like that. It seems so unfair. Well, Paul dealt with that objection. You will say to me, who is, why is he yet find fault for who has resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who are you that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why have you made me this way? Has not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? God is in his holy temple and let all the earth keep silence. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Please rise. O Lord, God who has chosen from eternity the elect, not by works of righteousness that they have done, but according to thy purpose, and in his due time under the gospel has sent his mighty spirit to take out the heart of stone and give a heart of flesh. Lord, we pray that if there are any here now that are not born again, that Thou would do the great work, perform the surgery, transform them, awaken them, make them live, O God. And we pray that for those who have partaken of these heavenly blessings, that we would be humbled before Thee 
and that we would follow thee fully and bring us in time into the land uh, that thou hast promised. Hear us, we now pray, through Christ. Amen.